happened there hi i'll tell you what happened we've been trying to practice speaking for the past 30 minutes because we just recorded us opening mail mm. for our patreon a patreon post we also have been practicing speaking for the last 27 <laughs> years of our lives um i guess not all 27 because the first year was pretty hard and you know on, on, on both of us and many of us with speaking my confidence though the first year i think was the highest it's ever been <laughs> <laughs> Just downhill from there on. Wow, your pronunciation at year one? Mm. Oh, so good. So, so good. good. Uh, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hey. And I am Sabrina. And I was thinking about it today because... I feel like when we first recorded these, oh, by the way, this is an Encounters and we're recording it. So mm-hmm. if you're a Patreon donor, we will post um, a video recording of probably the first two stories, one from each of us that we read on this episode. Yeah, it ends up being whichever one we didn't screw up the most when trying yeah. to read out loud. <laughs> Truly. Um, but I feel like when we first started doing these, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do my hair. I have to put makeup on. I want to look cute. I still got dressed today, which I'm really proud of myself because I, I've, now that I don't have a job, I spend a lot of time in my pajamas. <laughs> but I decided to sit on my couch today and be very, very comfortable. So um, and, you know, no makeup. So I'm uh, I'm not wearing any either. Showing myself raw, raw image <laughs> raw. of me. Ew! <laughs> that description. Ugh. You know how other people don't like the word moist? I'm totally OK with that word. But raw, <laughs> raw just got me like, OK, fine. What about unseasoned? Unseasoned, an unseasoned piece of raw meat <laughs> right here on the slab of a couch. The slab. To each their own. And now that we're re-entering society with COVID restrictions being lifted and people being vaccinated or just being safe, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to fully commit to pre-pandemic appearance. I think people are going to have yeah. to... Get used to the 30% that I'm about to give. Yeah, people kept telling me, like, it's going to be like the 1920s again, where, you know, finally the pandemic's over and everyone's going to, like, dress up like flappers and, like, go all out. And I'm just like, mm. I bought a lot of sweatpants and yeah. cute little matching sets this past year. So I'm going to be wearing those for There's no way. the foreseeable future. And, you know, while the trend of hair feathers has returned and is now <gasps> haunting us, <gasps> here's one trend I would like to bring back. I'm not sure I'd ever left. What? No bras. No, no bras. I was about to just be like, want to see? <laughs> want to see? <laughs> no bras. No bras. Oh, wait. Okay. So this is an Encounters episode. So normally we don't really talk too much at the top because we dive in but i have a ghost story <gasps> and it's not it's not a ghost story it's a familial ghost story of mine what okay so to to give some background so my dad had his family uh grew up having a house in bethel or like right outside of bethel on a lake okay and well it's a pond and everybody and his family basically had, had a house here. So his mom's brother, his mom's sister, his mom. That's really fun. And then over time, other relatives have acquired homes. And also okay. other relatives had passed away and either given their houses to their children or have sold their houses. 
And so was this, sorry, I just have questions because this is like my ideal compound situation when I have like kids. Did they live there full time or was it like a vacation house? It was a vacation house. It was none of the homes were winter ready. It was very like summer. Okay. But that's still so fun. Yes. Yeah. So he has like, my dad has the best memories growing up there ever. And my Grammy still lives there and my parents helped redo the house for her to be safe and live there because she does have dementia. And so our family's there a lot. It's seeing her and, and taking care of her. And then we also have relatives that are still on the lake. There's two other homes that are still owned by our relatives. Ooh. But one of the other homes, this is my, so my dad's grandparents. So my great grandparents, mm-hmm. my dad's maternal grandparents, Peewee and Mary. Oh my gosh, stop it. <laughs> so they lived oh. here for a long time, but eventually... Uh, they passed away and their house was sold to a new couple. I don't know if this is a new couple that took it over right as the house was uh, available or how many mm-hmm. hands it changed since then. All I know is Pee Wee and Mary's house is now owned by this like thick Massachusetts accent couple. And so my parents were up there last weekend and they went over to another relative's house and was like, oh, let's just like kind of peek around back and like see if anyone is home. And like, let's just, you know, explore the this old family property. And as they're doing so, the next door neighbor, who is half of the houses are like next to each other. So they're right. on one relative's lot that we currently, the family still owns. Then the lot next to them is Pee Wee and Mary's old house that now is owned by this Massachusetts couple. So my parents are walking around with my other aunt and uncle and a few family members. And the other couple's like, oh, hey. Like, what's up? Like, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Knowing that the other house is a family house and that they bought the house from our relatives. Anyway, long story short, the guy's like, come on in. Let me show you around the house because we're doing a lot of renovations. And I'm sure you're curious (gasps) to see what's going to happen to the house. Fun. And so they go in and they're looking around and, and exploring with the guy. And he tells them, he said, I have an interesting story for you to my dad, like your grandmother. Um, actually appeared to my wife, (gasps) the spirit of her. Chills. Chills. So what happened was when my great-grandmother Mary used to live there with Pee Wee, she would love to spend the night and just like daytime naps out on the porch. It was like the perfect, Mm. perfect area, this like screened-in section, like wonderful breeze on the water, just the ideal napping spot or sleeping spot. So this guy's wife, this new guy's wife, ends up sleeping overnight in that exact same spot that (gasps) Mary loved and always, always took naps and and slept in. And in the middle of the night, she woke up and she was overwhelmed with this like warm, tingly, loving feeling. And she looks over and she sees Mary. She sees this old woman (gasps) just kind of like looking at her, but she doesn't feel scared. She just feels very like we share this house now. And what this woman took of it was that Mary was basically showing her support of the couple being there, but also letting her know that like this was her home, that was her favorite spot, Uh, and the couple changed their renovation plans. They were originally going to tear it down, gut it, and they're keeping a lot of the same design, and they're keeping my great-grandparents' spirits in mind because Mary's still there. That is beautiful. Yes. And then at the very end, and my parents are all like, my uncle was like nudging my mom, being like, tell Corinne this story. Oh my God. (laughs) But at the very end, the guy's like, oh, and during the renovations, we found this board and I kept it to like give your family. And there's this board that on the backside of it, and it was like built into the house. So it wasn't visible. It was just like within the construction. On the underside of it, 
my great grandpa Pee Wee had written Pee Wee Loves Mary. And they gave it they gave it to my family. And now my uncle has it and he's he's putting it up in his house. Isn't that the sweetest thing? Stop! And then they're still there. Oh, too sensitive. <laughs> but like this is the nicest. Can you imagine oh. a better couple to have taken over this family home? Like they are basically the preventures now. Like they are our relatives. They're our family. Wow. They're in the compound now. Yeah. I'm Ugh. sorry. That is the sweetest thing in the world. I know. Pee-wee loves Mary. Pee-wee loves Mary. Oh, God. Yeah. And then this woman tells her husband, like, we got to change our renovation plans because me and this woman, we had a moment. We bonded. The previous owner. And we both have a love and appreciation now for the way that some of the house is. See, that is the best co-living situation with ghosts. Yeah. You guys can cohabitate <laughs> as long as you get along and are nice to each other. I know. And respect one another. Yes. I know. I love it. Wow. Now I want to go to the house. and I want to. I have never met my great-grandmother. Yeah. Go visit Mary. Me too. Mary and Pee-wee. That's amazing. <laughs> I wonder if we'll have more encounters now, though, because they've, you know, had this connection. Yeah. I wonder if they'll see them more often. I know. I wonder in renovations if they'll if they'll see when there are certain changes being made or if Mary will just like visit the woman in her sleep again or in her dreams. Or just like be in that room a lot because she loved it. Yeah. Maybe out of the corner of her eye, yeah, <sighs> she'll catch a glimpse of Mary sitting on the couch or laying on the couch. So lovely. That is so special. So there's the ghost story to start us off. But we do that have many ghost stories from you guys. We do. And that's what we're here to read. We are. We are also, okay, We before we do get in the stories, there is something that we were supposed to do in 2019. Oh, yes. In October of 2019. Oops. <laughs> Maybe we did. I don't remember. I don't think we I have no memory of doing it. Okay. Well, so then this is on me. But- Paul, a man by Paul, a man by the name of Paul. Ah, my name's Paul. The boyfriend of a woman named Jessica reached out to us and said, my girlfriend is an enormous fan of your show. She's listening to it right now. And I wanted to surprise her with a special shout out on your show and get her a few things from the store. He's like, hope you guys can help. She really loves you all the way over in South Africa, which is, first of all, so cool that you guys are in South Africa. So So jealous. But now... (laughs) Sorry about the fact that it's two and a half years later. Yes. We want to say so sorry, Paul, and give a shout out to Jessica. Thank you for listening. We are so glad you're listening all the way from South Africa. I hope you're still listening. We're yes, we are sorry that the email got away from us, but we hope this podcast has not gotten away from your ears. (laughs) So you can hear the shout out for you. And if it did, well, to all those Jessicas out there, (laughs) we love you all. This one's for you. Slightly resentful of Jessica's because, you know, when you're a little and you go into a, a little uh, tchotchke shop mm-hmm. and they always had all of the magnets or all of the everything. And if your name was Jessica, you always got to pick out something with your name on it. And not for, not us. for us. Not for us. Nope. Well, well, thank you for <laughs> for entertaining us. And now we will entertain you. Um, we shall. Since you just told your story and, and um, maybe I'll give you a water break. Thanks. I feel like I just, you know, we just substituted on a soccer field. Um, <laughs> or lacrosse field would be more accurate for both of us. Where are my orange slices? Yeah. Oh, that just reminds me of field hockey. We used to, you know, you're supposed to be healthy with orange slices. And we used to just take down whole bags of pretzels 
dipping them in Nutella. Oh and that yum. Was a snack. That sounds so good. And so began my weight issues. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm allergic to Nutella. Blessed be. Oh, so sad. And avocado. Poor you. Saves me a little bit in terms of desserts. But. All right. What do you have? Okay. I have an email from M. It's called, I think my devil worshiper neighbor did something to me. Hmm. Hey guys, this is my first email I've sent to a podcast. So please bear with me. I have so many stories to tell. So I'm going to try and tell the interesting ones and keep them as short as possible. Okay. Just so you all know, usually when we're reading these emails, I'm like here. I know it's, it's hard. It's hard to see when we're this far back. So maybe I should put my glass. So if you, yeah, I don't know where my glasses are. This is for everybody else's benefit yeah. that we're this far back. So you don't have to see rogue hairs and pores. Yeah, and- my blackheads, you know, all that fun. Okay. For some background, I used to live in Pennsylvania and moved when I was halfway through third grade. My neighbors had a son about a month younger than me, and he had a massive crush on me, like to the point where he spread rumors about us kissing and being in a relationship. It was weird. What's weirder, though, is that his mother encouraged his behavior and never told him to stop. So I'm sure Mm. his mother hated me. I got weird vibes from their family, and I distinctly remember one time I went into their house to play video games with their son, and I had a horrific sense of dread and a terrible feeling in my stomach. It got to the point where I literally had to leave their house, and I never went back in for the rest of the time I lived there. My mom told me years later that she thought the mother was a devil worshiper, but never explained why. But I honestly believe it. I don't think she was the cool ones that are part of the satanic temple, but one of the ones who practices dark magic. Because there was just something so disturbed in that house and that family. So my first story, I can't remember how old I was, but I was probably in second grade at the time. I was asleep in my bed, but woke up suddenly around midnight or 2 a.m., My eyes took some time to adjust to the dark since the only light in my room was from the moon seeping in through my window. And when my eyes adjusted, I saw a pair of eyes at the end of my bed, but they were not attached to anything because I couldn't feel or see the shape of someone's body where the eyes were. They were brown eyes about the size of a tennis ball and the pupils were darker than the night. They never blinked. And once my brain registered what I was seeing, I started to panic. I started to blink a lot to fight back tears, and that's when I realized that the eyes moved closer to me every time I blinked. So I sat myself up and started to panic even more. I slowed my blinking down and tried to make a game plan and hype myself up. One hand on the light switch, don't look at the eyes, open the door, run to mom. I kept telling myself over and over. After what felt like 10 minutes, I went through with the plan, and as I flicked my light switch on, I was turning towards my door handle, swung the door open, and ran crying to my mom and woke her up. She asked what was wrong, and through my tears, I managed to say, Eyes in my room. She looked worried and got up with me to inspect my room. But when we got back to my room, no one was there and my window was cracked open. Years later, when I was about 13, I thought I saw the eyes again in my room and had to sleep with my mom for a week because I was so petrified of it finally coming into contact with me. To this day, I'm 17 now, I still don't know what was in my room, why my window was cracked open, and what I did to have something present itself to me. My next story actually happened a couple weeks to maybe a month after the eyes incident, as I call it. I woke up around the same time, midnight or 2 a.m., and I saw a green lightning bug in my room. I was confused because I had a mesh screen in my window, but I figured maybe there was a hole in it and I brushed it off. 
I went back to sleep and woke up maybe 15 to 30 minutes later to see about five green lightning bugs in my room. I was confused again, but I lived in the front of the woods and was young, so I just didn't really care. Again, I went back to sleep, and then I woke up and there was a yellow lightning bug flying around my room. And by yellow, I mean the light was mustard yellow, not the traditional lime green that are usually lightning bugs colors. I started to get a little worried and considered getting up to tell my mom. But again, I was young and dumb and didn't think anything of it. So I go back to sleep and the same process as before happens. When I wake up again, more yellow ones come in. I sleep and then more come in. The third time I woke back up, a red lightning bug came into my room. The red was as red as ketchup, and then I started to panic. There were probably 50 bugs in my room at this point, and I was witnessing the red bugs fly in because I was too scared to go back to sleep. I was paralyzed with fear and just kept seeing multiple green, yellow, and red lightning bugs fly into my room. I sat up on my bed for probably five minutes, and I estimated that over 150 bugs were infesting my room. There were bugs on my walls, my ceilings, my bed, my clothes, everywhere. I decided I had had enough and I ran to my mom crying, saying there were bugs in my room. Now this is where shit gets really weird. When my mom and I go back to my room, she says, where are the bugs? I swear to you, in that moment, my heart sank. I was seeing a fuck ton of bugs crawling and flying everywhere, but she didn't see anything. (gasps) I looked at her, now shaking in fear, saying, they're everywhere. They're on my bed. There's one by your foot. And now my mom looks horrified and she asks, right there? And then she steps on the bug. I shake my head yes. And when she lifts her foot, the bug isn't there or on her foot. It just vanishes. She does the only thing she can think of and prays with me in the middle of my room. And then I slept in my parents' room. When I woke up the next day, the bugs were all gone. And I never had an experience like that ever again. When I finally left Pennsylvania, I didn't have another experience for a while. But as you know from my first story, the experiences continued. My parents got divorced and my second experience in my mom's apartment, the first being the second interaction with the eyes, was when I was 13 or 14. I was on my phone around 3 a.m. and I went to get a bottle of water and saw that the sliding glass door, we were in a bottom floor apartment, was open. I thought my mom was outside smoking, but when I checked, no one was there. I figured she just forgot to close the door, so I went back to my room and after maybe five minutes... I thought I heard the door open again and went to look. Sure enough, the door was open. I got a little spooked, but I just walked over to the door, closed it, locked the screen door, and closed and locked the sliding glass door. But when I get back to my room, no more than two minutes had passed before I hear the door open again. But this time, I heard heavy boot steps as well. I thought maybe there was an intruder, so I put my phone down and pretended to be asleep. Oh, so sad. (laughs) That's like the scariest thing. Like real world panic yeah. and, and actually trying to save yourself. I heard them walk to my brother's room and open their door. The step paused for about 20 seconds and then they continued to the bathroom and pushed that door open. It paused for 20 seconds again and then walked to my room. At this point in my life, I slept with my door cracked open and the bathroom light on, which is how I saw the eyes again. When I didn't see a person or shadow at my door, I started to panic. I kept still and pretended to be asleep and then saw my mom's door open on its own and be pushed open on its own. I heard the footsteps walk into her room and I never heard them leave. I stayed awake the rest of the night out of fear. And when my mom and brothers woke up fine, I didn't tell them and I just let it go. 
I have no explanation for what happened that night and never heard the footsteps again. I've tried to research the things that have happened to me and have no explanation for the eyes. I found that found out that yellow and red lightning bugs literally don't exist, and there looks to be no man that have died in or around my old apartment building, so I don't know who that was. I've been told I've always been in touch with the supernatural, and my mom's told me I would look up at the walls of my house in Pennsylvania and laugh as if there was something there, but I never had imaginary friends. I also have a terrible imagination and couldn't even think up the things I experienced. I'm not scared of what's with me now, but I do truly believe that in living next to that woman in Pennsylvania, it opened me up to the paranormal and something stuck with me. I have more experiences if you'd like to hear them. Thanks for reading this email. See you guys on the other side. M. Okay, this is reminding me a lot of stories we've read and probably just heard out in the world of shamans or like brujas who use dark magic and will put curses on people and suddenly someone will be like very ill or vomiting blood Mm -hmm. or like bile or strange colors and this is reminding me a bit of that yeah so i am in total agreement that this woman must have been practicing some sort of dark magic that was that was the point of it was to hurt others yeah I also wonder if, because it's very possible that the house that his neighbors lived in was just a negative, maybe there was a negative entity or energy there, you know, that could have Mm -hmm. caused the whole family to feel dark and, and maybe something darker took over the mom or, you know, there's so many scenarios that we've heard and read where like, because there's evilness in the home, it it, like makes the family, it changes the dynamics and changes people like at their core but I am also curious, like M says that they're really open. And is it possible that things just come to M because they're open? Or, okay, well, sorry, lots of thoughts. But the lightning bug thing reminds me of that story we read from a listener where, remember, her whole window was like covered every inch of it in black flies. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of that in a, like a really disturbing, like, these insects are infesting your life. Yeah, I don't know what it means. And it's the one part of me is like, okay, well, it it's not something No, never mind. I was gonna say it's not something creeping at the end of your bed. False. There was something creeping because M saw eyes creeping at the end of her bed. I was like, oh, well, it's just bugs and you're just seeing things. No, no. the whole thing altogether is terrible. And like it does feel like all three stories that M shared with us are very different, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. not connected and are just, I mean, connected through M, but right. the eyes. Okay. I also don't know what is scarier and maybe they're both scary in their own ways, but like, like a shadow person where you, you see the shape of them, you feel them like crouch on the bed or just a pair of floating eyes because you don't know anything about their, the physical room that they take up. I know this could be like a giant squid <gasps> and you don't, you have no idea because it's just cloaked and all you see is the eyeballs. A giant squid. You know, you have no idea what this, this creature could take up the entire room. Oh my gosh. This creature could have another like part of it right in front of your face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. So creepy. I wonder also, okay, Yikes. the one walking through the apartment, that's so scary because it totally feels like an intruder. And the amount of times that, like, mm-hmm. I've heard a noise in the other side of my apartment 
and I immediately think someone's intruding and I'm like looking around yeah. my room. Okay. What can I use as a weapon? What do I do? Do I hide? Do I pretend I'm sleeping? What do I do? And then to listen to footsteps move through your entire home, go into every single room as if like mm-hmm. checking to like attack someone or find something is truly horrifying. And then to see no one's yeah. there, you know, and you see some invisible force open the door. No, 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 no. And that's also, we've said this before, but it's one of those tough decisions where it's like, is this paranormal or is this an actual intruder? Because your reaction to things, yes, you're still going to be extremely terrified and fearful, but your reaction to an actual physical person entering your space needs to be different than what it is if it's paranormal (gasps) to keep you safe. There's a lot more you have to take into consideration. So that in and and of itself is just terrifying. Like the thought that for a moment, you're not sure which one it is. Yeah. Okay. This is called ghost or demonic entity trying to possess or hurt me. I don't like that. This is actually, I love that the the subject line is basically like a paragraph. This is actually crazy scary and some people may not be able to handle it. So readers and listeners be warned. We are warned and I am also very excited. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Hello to my favorite paranormal duo. My name is Courtney and I'm 28 years old from Australia. I'm a massive, massive, massive Two Girls, One Ghost fan and have listened to every episode now. It's absolutely my favorite podcast and I'm so glad I found you guys. This may be a bit of a long one, but there's a lot of context, but trust me, it's all relevant to the story. So stick with me. Background. I've always been sensitive to the paranormal and so has my Nana, my mother, and all of the women in my family. It's actually a running joke that we are witches. Mm -hmm. My Nana, when she was alive, has done some things that makes me think that she probably was, but that's a story for another time. My family would refer to me as the Oracle as a joke because I would say things as a kid and they would eventually become true. Things like this person is going to lose this or they will get a promotion, lose their job. And as I got older, it became more like this person is going to have a car accident or this person is going to get sick and even this person will die. Again, a story for another time, as I've predicted three deaths and many accidents in my life, and it's just plain weird. I have zero idea how these things came to my mind. It was just like this intense thought that I had, and I just had to tell someone. Super weird, but as I've gotten older, it hasn't been as often, but I definitely get vibes from people about if something bad is about to happen, if they are good or bad people, and when I go to houses, I can normally always tell if someone has died and i've even been to a place where someone has been murdered (gasps) whoa when i go to these places i often feel overwhelming pain and sadness when being in those places and i always have to leave Mm. so basically i can't do ghost tours sad reacts okay to the story now you have a little background on my sensitivities and i have a story to tell you and i will let you decide if you think Some of these occurrences are a ghost or something more demonic. Oh. When I was about eight, so in the year 2000, we had to move as our house was flooded and we lost everything. We moved to this new house and I remember when we walked in, I immediately said, someone has died here. My mom looked at me funny, but not shocked as she knew what I was like at this point. And she said, yes. (gasps) The lady who had lived here and her husband passed away as she caught on fire in the kitchen and died here. <gasps> Whoa. She was also elderly in her late 70s, early 80s, and the husband couldn't live here anymore. Oh, my gosh. As we had lost everything, we were unfortunately having to live in government housing as we got ripped off by the insurance company. So my mom didn't have much of a choice as to where we lived. 
Getting used to the area, as it was a completely different suburb to where I was before, me and my two siblings walked around to try and see where the parks and playgrounds in the area were. We walked to the end of our street, so about two houses down, and to the right is a house that is on one of the main streets. When I walked past this house, I had an immediate reaction. I felt so sick and overwhelmed, I started to cry hysterically. And my siblings said, it's best that we just go home. I went inside and I collapsed in my mom's arms and I told her that something bad happened in the house, something that I just could not stop crying over. And my mom was really confused as she said that she heard nothing about anything happening in that house. But my mom also worked three jobs as a single mom and she had never really caught up on the news. I asked her to see what had happened there as something isn't right. And she agreed. And the next day she came to me and she showed me an article that she printed off and it said that in November the year before, a woman was brutally murdered and robbed in that house. Her husband survived, but to this day, they've never caught the killer. Oh my gosh. Ever since that day, I avoided that house. And then things started happening in our own house. I personally believed that this was just a little old lady who passed in the house. Well, I thought that to begin with, but some people have thought that it is something entirely different. Things eventually escalated to something more sinister later down the track. I would always wake up around 3 a.m. every night to the sounds of footsteps up and down the hallway, noting this wasn't a very big house and it was old, so you could hear everything. Sometimes it sounded like someone was pacing, other times someone was running, and then it was footsteps, it was doorknobs, and the doorknobs were metal and they were making a distinct noise and you could hear them rattling, like someone was trying to open them but couldn't. I then started waking my sister up, my older sister, and we shared rooms and bunk beds with me on top and her on the bottom. And she could hear it too, but she wasn't scared or alarmed, just thought that maybe it was our little brother sleepwalking, which sometimes he did, but he hadn't done for a while. So one night I got the bold idea to go out and check. Eight-year-old me was so brave. (laughs) I can't even leave my room if I hear a random noise anymore. I opened my door and I looked down the hallway and I saw a lady in a white dress, almost like a nightgown standing at my mom's door, rattling the door. No. <gasps> I have zero idea what possessed me to open my mouth. Again, eight-year-old me, way braver than 20-year-old me. But I said, excuse me, are you lost? Like, what was I thinking? Oh, are you then lost the lady, in our house? Are you lost? <laughs> in the middle of the night. Oh. Then the lady turned around and it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Her face was completely burnt. The front of her was almost like it was melting. And she made this awful moaning noise. I literally screamed so loud and I continued screaming that the next door neighbors called the police. Oh my gosh. I have chills. I'm just thinking about the the dispatchers who had to go and and hear this eight-year-old talk about seeing this victim that they probably all knew about. What about having to actually see it? I know. And then being so scared that the neighbors call the police because of your scream. That is... That's traumatizing. That's like true fear, full screams. Not like, oh, that kid's just having a bad reaction or panic or whatever. (sighs) My mom came running out and as she opened the door, the lady disappeared. So my mom didn't see her. And she was asking me what the heck I was doing at 3 a.m. And through sobs, I tried to tell her. And she said that I'm probably just having a bad dream. I'm just sleepwalking. And then she had to explain to the police what happened. And they laughed it off. (gasps) And everyone went to bed. Over the next few years, this happened a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean almost every night. I stopped leaving my room and I would hide my head under the pillow until I fell asleep. That's so sad. 
Cut to six years later, I'm 14 years old, and I become friends with this girl on my bus, and as we're chatting, we exchange numbers, and she ended up hanging out at my place. She invited me to sleep over at her place, which I knew was close by, but wasn't sure of the exact house. She texted me the address, and once I saw which house it was, all the color left my body, and I felt sick. No, no, no. She was living in the house where that lady was murdered. Not wanting to be weird or weird out my new friend, I accepted, and I told my mom. And mom was super against me staying, not because she didn't like my friend, but because of how I reacted last time and because of what happened at our house. And she didn't want me to be upset again or feel even worse. I brushed it off, though, and I tried to act like I'll be okay. Note from future me, it was not okay. Oh, no. Walking up to the door, I felt so sick. When my friend answered the door, she even commented on how I looked unwell. I said, I'm fine. And I went in. Oh my goodness. Walking into that house was a whole new level of nope. I was overwhelmed to the point of needing to sit down. She then commented again on me not looking very well and how it's okay to reschedule if I needed to. And I said, no, no, it's probably because of the heat, summer holiday, it's ridiculously hot. And she showed me around the house, which was like torture as I felt so sad and had to sneakily wipe away my tears as she showed me around. It was all just so overwhelming. We hung out in her room and I felt like I was starting to adjust and we watched a movie. We ate popcorn and junk food and I was starting to relax and even feel like I might be able to stay the night. Wrong. Around 1 a.m. we decided to go to sleep. I slept on a spare mattress on the floor and she slept in her bed. I was starting to doze off and I heard loud footsteps in the hallway. They sounded like a man in work boots, which was weird because her dad was away for work and her older brother was at a friend's house that night. It startled me, but my friend didn't wake up. Don't worry, 14-year-old me was not like 8-year-old me, and I didn't open the door. (laughs) I could then hear moaning, and no, it wasn't anything sexual. It was like someone in pain. And then I heard what sounded like wheezing. I was worried at this point, and I woke up my friend, and she was like, man, it's probably just the cat hacking up a fur ball, and went back to sleep. I'm not a cat owner. I'm allergic, sad days. (laughs) But I wasn't aware of that kind of thing and thought, okay, it's a cat. Cool. And I tried to go to sleep. But when I fell asleep, I was having these awful dreams of being Mm -mm. choked that I woke up in a coughing fit. And when I did, saw this thing. (gasps) Now, I say thing because it could not have been human. It was standing in the corner of my friend's room and it was taller than the (gasps) ceiling. So it was hunched over and it was just this dark mass with long arms and the reddest Mm -mm. eyes. I felt the emotions of everything I've been feeling in this house and the sheer fear hit me all at once and I threw up while screaming. Amazing visual for a while. Oh, no. Oh, God. That's real exorcism. Oh, so sad. My friend and her mom awoke to the sound of my half scream, half vomit, and turned the light on. I was hysterical. My friend's mom called my mom and she walked me down and came to get me and took me home. And my friend felt so bad. She said she knew that I looked sick and that she should have just told me to go home and rest. I explained everything to my mom and she had a very scared look on my face and said that I can't go back to that house anymore as this seems to be something dark that's attached to it from the violence that had occurred there. It was really hard to not get to go to my friend's place. And we did remain friends for a couple of years after this until one day when we were 17 and she asked me what was up and why I avoid her house. I felt like I had to be honest because I've basically been avoiding her house for three years. So I told her that I can't go to her house anymore because it's haunted from the murder that had happened there. Mm. First, she was confused because she didn't know about the murder that had happened there. And she was a bit dismissive saying, I watched too many horror movies and that the movies we watched that night, The Grudge, 
had rubbed off on me and that's why I freaked out. Aww. Anyway, the next day, her mom calls my mom and gets mad at me for telling her daughter that someone oh, had no. been murdered in their house because she didn't want them to know and I'm not welcome in their house anymore. Fine with me <laughs> because I'm not going back. <laughs> but I was sad to lose a friend because I genuinely liked Aww. her. Over the years since the incident at my now ex-friend's house, weird things have been happening to me. More sinister things. I would wake up with random bruises on me, scratch marks, and wake up feeling overly tired and just drained. I chalked it up to just maybe being a teenager and playing elite-level sports. Then when I was 18, I had my first proper boyfriend, let's call him Will, and at this stage, my sister had moved out and I had my own room so my boyfriend would sleep over, and that's when things would get worse. I would wake up at 3 a.m. to knocking on my door. Oh, no. Knock, knock, knock. Always in threes. And always at three. Knock, knock, knock. No. At first, <laughs> I just got chills from like... Some, I know. I just knock, like knock, knock. curled up on the couch. Yeah. Ugh. At first, Will didn't wake up, but then it got louder. And he woke up asking, is someone at your door? I just said to ignore it and to go back to sleep. And it became so frequent that Will asked... If we could actually just stay at his place more. (laughs) And I agreed. The first times were nice. I actually got sleep. Then things got worse. This one incident was terrifying and it stuck with me my whole life. I was lying in bed and he has a queen bed, but I was in the corner of the room. So one side was against, but it was in the corner of the room. So one side was against the wall. Will went to go have a shower as it was late and we were both training for different sports and I had already showered. I was facing the wall about to fall asleep and I heard the door open, thinking it's Will. I didn't think too much of it, but then the light turned off. I thought, that's weird. I said, Will, did you just turn the light off? No reply. The room was pitch black, so I couldn't see anything. And I said, Will, that's not funny. You know I get scared easily. Turn the light Mm -hmm. on. No reply. I heard footsteps moving closer to the bed and I thought that it was just him being a jerk trying to scare me. So I roll to face the wall And say, it's not fucking funny. Stop being a dick. And I felt something sit on the bed. Then heavy breathing. Oh my gosh. And I said, it's not funny. And I turned to whack him. And as I turned, I saw the same massive dark entity sitting on the bed with red eyes staring at me. No, 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 no. I have never screamed so loud in my life. I was so scared that I passed out. Oh my gosh. Will and his parents came running into my room to find me passed out on the bed. Will shook me to wake me up and asked me what happened. And I then bawled my eyes out, crying, trying to explain. Whilst his parents were still there and just so scared and shaken, I just couldn't explain it. His family are Italian and religious. Uh, I'm not religious whatsoever. So I hadn't really looked into that side of things. And they went and got rosary beads and this cross with Jesus on it and told me to wear the beads when I slept and to leave the cross on the wall. After this incident, my boyfriend was like, all right, you need to tell me what the heck is going on. So I explained it to the best that I could, and he actually believed me. Well, to a degree. But also said that a lot of this is probably in my head. Maybe I should speak to someone about this because he wasn't sure I was mentally stable. Look, he wasn't the world's greatest (laughs) boyfriend. He was a major (laughs) dick. This is why he's an ex. But he had a point, so I decided to speak to a specialist, and they basically said it was probably that I was just watching too many horror movies, and that I most likely had sleep paralysis, and that these things happened, and gave me some tips to managing my sleep paralysis. I know some people have probably thought this, but I've actually never been asleep when most of these things happen. And I was clearly awake after the incident at my boyfriend's place, as they all heard my screams, and my ex heard the knocks on the door. 
Anyways, the knocking continued for almost a year later, and at this point, I hadn't told my mom what had happened at my ex-boyfriend's place. But one day, and I say day because this was during the day, I was lying in bed on my phone under the covers because it was winter, (laughs) and I liked to get snuggly in my bed, and I had this overwhelming feeling of dread and fear, like something was there watching me and something was about to happen. So I pulled the covers over my face, and then I heard the three knocks. I was home alone, so this was not my mom or my brother at the door. I started to freak out and get my phone, and I text my mom to come home now. I heard the knocks again, but louder. At this point, I'm crying. I'm freaking out, thinking that this thing is back. I then hear the doorknob rattle and start to turn. The door flies open, and I put my head under the blanket and just shake with fear. I hear low, loud, thumping footsteps walk towards the bed. And at this point, my mom is calling me to see what is wrong because I text her help come home now but I can't answer because I'm too scared to move or to even make a sound I can feel the presence of something standing over me and I could hear what sounds like heavy breathing my phone is now ringing continuously as my mom called my brother to tell him to go home and that they're trying to reach me to make sure that I'm okay the footsteps then turn leave my room I wait under the covers and think okay maybe I can look And as soon as I look, those big red eyes are right in front of my face. And this almost shrieking noise, it feels like it almost passes through me. And I wake up on my floor to my brother shaking me awake and my mother in tears on the phone with an ambulance because they think something's happened to me medically. And they come and they check me out and say, I'm fine, but I have this massive mark on my chest like someone had tried to punch me there. And they think it was from when I collapsed. Oh my gosh, I have full body chills. They end up leaving and my mom is like, all right, what actually is going on? And I tell her everything and she's beyond pissed that I didn't tell her that things had gotten this bad. She called my Nana straight away and goes to pick her up and bring her over. And at the start of my story, you may remember, I said my Nana was a witch slash the women in the family are all witches. My Nana was a very spiritual person and also attended the Catholic church every Sunday came over with sage and all kinds of religious things like crosses and rosary beads. And she even brought a bottle of holy water. She first told me off for not saying anything sooner and then walked around the house cleansing it, telling whatever spirit it was that it was not welcome there anymore and it needed to leave. For months after this, I slept with the rosary beads around my neck and a cross above my bed. And from then, I hadn't had any encounters with this evil entity again. I personally believe the tragic violence in this house caused an evil entity to attach to it. And once me being someone more sensitive to this kind of thing came into the house, it then attached itself to me. But this evil entity was not prepared for my badass Nana, who was a force to be reckoned with. Unfortunately, my Nana passed away three years ago. But since this incident and before her death, she prepared me for if it came back and she wasn't around. And I feel much more confident that if it or any other dark entity comes back that I will be able to defend myself and make it leave. Since then, though, I haven't gone to any more houses where I feel like someone has been murdered or gone on any ghost tours that have confirmed murders happening, as I believe that when something so tragic or violent happens, these dark entities are drawn to that space and feed off the negative energy. So if you're sensitive like me, don't go to places where you know that people have been murdered. Save yourself the hassle and the pain. Just don't. Also, some sage advice from my Nana is never use Ouija board. You're basically asking for evil and sinister things to come and speak with you. Just don't do it ever. 
Thank you for reading my story, you guys. I'll write you again about my Vienna stories that she told me over the years. And we'll make this one look <laughs> not even remotely scary. <laughs> Stay spooky. See you on the other side. Courtney. Oh, my God. I was, like, torn between. Wow. <laughs> okay, Courtney. This is terrifying. Absolutely horrifying. But I was also torn between, like, as you were getting into the details of things and, like, saying then came the heavy breathing. I was torn. I, like, wanted to, like, scream and have chills and, like, curl up in a ball. But I also wanted to, in the background, be like, yes. <sighs> And I wanted to make sound effects, like the shriek, the that's kind of what I was imagining. But then I was too scared to do any of it. We need a spooky Halloween special where we have sound effects to all of the stories. That would be fun. (laughs) But we have to make the sound effects ourselves. Okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) So long as someone else is uh, editing this. Eric, warning for you guys. When Um, do we ever edit ourselves? Not anymore. No way. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, this is absolutely terrifying and i feel like this entity is i kind of think of this as you know how we've talked about like aliens have different species and then there's like different there's shadow people and the hat man but i'm thinking of these evil demonic entities and i feel like we've heard about this exact same entity before the darkness that is darker than dark taller than the room long and lanky red eyes i do i think there are many of them And it makes me wonder, though, are there multiple of the same species? Like, can there be like, you know, 60,000 of these guys that have exactly the same? Or does every evil entity have its own unique shape? And so, you know, when it's the same thing following you and other people as well, because it matches the Hmm. same description. I mean, they have a lot of dark power, so I'm sure one could manipulate and haunt many areas. Mm -hmm. But I... This is gross. I also imagine that they could, like, split off from one. Like, it's one creature, but it, like, can split into many. Yeah. And exist in all these spaces. But, like, the specificity of this haunting and the consistency of it makes me think it's just one of this kind of species of horrible, terrifying creatures. But... What I don't know. How will we ever know? I don't know. But you know what I hate, too, about this is the trickery of this entity. It reminds me of the encounter you just read before with the, with the bugs not mm-hmm. being there to, for anyone else except for the one person. But the trickery of this entity to have the footsteps leave the room so that Courtney feels comfortable enough or daring enough to peek and then it be right uh. there. Staring at her in front of her. And the fact that she was in that much fear that she passed out pretty much every time she encounters this thing, she passes out. The amount of fear you have to have for your body to shut itself down to avoid what's happening around you is astronomical. It's awful. But I mean, just every reaction that Courtney had is so visceral and like physical and like to faint to scream so loudly that the police are called, to vomit. scream and vomit at the same time. Like, your her body is rejecting and, and yes, like, oh, denying ooh. these experiences because it's in so it's much got, physical yeah. pain. It's got, like, a sharp pain on the back of my neck, just even thinking about this. And, like, the pressure on her chest, the mark on her chest. Ugh. Oh, the chest thing. I do have a gnarly bruise on my head, and I don't know what happened. I probably hit it. Maybe you were sleepwalking, bombed no. your head. 
against the wall. Like, why? 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine Nick waking up to me in the hallway, just banging my head on the wall? That's Rick. It's Rick. Remember? That's Rick. That's literally Rick in the <gasps> parking lot. No way. Rick is from episode 12, if anyone's wondering what we're referring to. If Remember when we, every time we said the name Rick, we were like, wow, we hate Rick. We hate Rick. And then we we're like, oh, we're so sorry to any of our listeners whose name is Rick. <laughs> My uncle's name is Rick. <laughs> <laughs> But Rick was really scary. But we're talking about a specific Rick. Yeah, specific. One one Rick. Rick is not like the name Karen or Becky that can be applied to Everyone. a type of person. This is one particular person. Yeah. And we don't hate him. We hate who we hate became the demon, The demon that became him. Yes. I have a story from our listener, Kate. It's called Kunkel. Hi, chicks. I'm Kate. I am so happy I found the podcast. I'm very grateful you two are so personable and read stories with passion and respect. You keep me smiling, intrigued, spooked out, and present to things around me. I have found myself looking forward to hearing your conversations and stories on a daily basis, and almost every episode coincides with my life and gets me thinking maybe we are on the same wavelength. Whatever that may mean to you folks, I don't know. Life is funny. Anywho, When I was a super youngin, my mom left my dad and moved in with a doctor who collected underground railroads. I was a child, and all that meant was he had more than one scary old house. I could go on about these scary structures, but this one is about the house Kunkel. The houses had their names based on where they were. So, my mom and the doctor worked a lot, and I learned at a very young age to take care of myself, and I spent a lot of time alone. One weekend, I was maybe eight, and my mom showed up with my older brother one day, and I never really saw my older brother, but I knew he was just grumpy all the time. So I don't know where I was when she picked me up, but she had us both, and I had this sick feeling that she was driving us to Kunkel House. I knew the country surroundings, and she pulled into the driveway, walked us into the house, and argued with my brother, and then left to go to work in the middle of the day. My brother was pissed. And I was always already uncomfortable here, but now my brother was in a bad mood and starting to be mean to me. So I distracted myself, Disney movies on the big wooden box TV, crouched down on my body, and I put my hands up for blinders, trying to push off all the strange things I always felt. Oh, living life like this in the house. I know. I knew my brother was upset and would at some point start picking on me. I don't know if something was poking me or if something was being thrown at me, either way. Something hit me and I thought it was my brother trying to start something. I felt slash heard something run and slap me on the top of my head and I had had enough. I jumped up, turned around and saw the back of a boy kid body, assuming it was my brother, run out of the room and up the stairs. I was on his tail. I flew up the stairs, around the bend, down a hallway to a corner and stop. Then I got a weird feeling. I saw the boy run into the door of the window's peak and I felt... No, 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 no. Something's wrong. No way in hell would my brother go up there. That is when I realized there was a bed in the room next to me where I had stopped and there was a body in that bed. I went in mindless and pulled the sheets back and saw my brother (gasps) dead asleep. He was so angry when I woke him up and I just couldn't stop asking why, how, how did you get here and how did you end up in here in no time? And he didn't even remember going upstairs to begin with. He said he went outside right after my mom left. And I know he was not lying. He was disoriented and shocked and ran and sprinted out of the house. When we were teens, he spent the night on the floor in my room and we were shooting the ship because we hadn't seen each other in a while. 
And I asked him if he remembered Kunkel in that day. And all he said was, no, that place terrified me. I don't know how you could stay there alone. He picked up his bedding and went into the living room and never spoke of it again. Since then, the house Kunkel is often in my dreams. And sometimes I wonder why. My fear is when I pass away, I may wake up there again and again and again. Oh, and I had a three-legged dog friend in a doghouse at Kunkel. Turns out there was an abandoned trailer and a doghouse next door. But I found out that no people nor dog had ever lived there while we were there. Thank you for being my outlet. Keep spooking. I'm loving it. Kate. What a terrible fear to have to go through childhood with and into adulthood with and now give to all of us that maybe one day Mm -hmm. you'll wake up or continue to keep waking up in this house. Yes. In this room. Yes. Continue to be brought here. And equally terrifying that whether this entity that like slapped hit her in the living room was her brother or if it was like a paranormal being, the fact that her brother doesn't have memory of how he got into the bed is truly terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's so creepy. I am curious because with the Underground Railroad and houses that were used in that, I I imagine there's probably quite a bit of history documented mm-hmm. about them. I mean, maybe not. I, what do I know? But I am curious if there's more about that house that, that we could learn of to know why it has such a dark energy. Because similar to Courtney's story that you just read, like, did something terrible happen there? And are there darker entities that took advantage of that darkness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you know what this is also reminding me of? Not that it's it's exactly what's happening in, in this encounter, but do you remember how people were were saying that Basically, now that we have social media, people were sharing images of rooms that they were visiting in their sleeps and their recurring nightmares or like during near-death experiences. And people were like, why do we all have the same memory or the same experiences of visiting these like very distinct rooms? Oh, I don't know that I remember this. Oh, this is kind of reminding me of, of this in a way. Like, could this be a house? Could this be a place where people dream about? And go to and that there's something that just like sucks people in and takes them over. (gasps) I don't like that. Also, I just realized my ceiling fan is on in my in my room. Oh, scary. Reflections from the sunlight in the trees and it's it's moving. It just made me for a minute. I was like, oh, my God, there's something behind me. That does look like there was a shadow passing. Yeah. No, it's it's the tree. (laughs) Although my apartment, you were right. You called it. You said it's haunted. And it definitely is. It was on the on, on the call with my boss the other day and something just like flung itself off of the counter. And I go, uh, my house is haunted. And she was like, I think I think it is. Whoa. Yep. OK, <laughs> but not nearly as haunted as this place. <laughs> I'm glad that Kate didn't have to go to it that often. I know. But still, like it is almost scary to think that like you don't know when you're going to have to go to it. And that's probably why it haunts her so much more. I'm also curious how scared her brother was. Like, did he have as much fear associated with this house? It sounds like it. I mean, he got up and left the room so he didn't have to talk about it later. True. Yeah. Trying to block it out of his own memory. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Well, while that house is haunted, so are we. And we've we've referenced a few times things happening to people that listen to our podcast and little ghostly interferences. <laughs> so I have a very quick... No to quick story from Katie. The subject line is, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Katie said, 
though I listen to your podcast every day, all day while working, and I'm on Encounters 28. And in the very beginning, you two were talking, and then all of a sudden, it got super staticky, and a lady said, you're being rude, oh. as I was starting to fall asleep at work. Girls, let me tell you, I woke the fuck up so fast. Oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> Katie, what? You're being rude. I know, and I responded, you're being rude. <gasps> Which is like, are you? was she being rude because she wasn't actively listening to the podcast and was drifting off to sleep? Or was she being rude because she was falling asleep at work? Could this be our ghost or another ghost? Or was it about us? What were we saying? Was it towards us? <gasps> oh, I didn't even think about that. It was probably towards us. I'm sure we were being <laughs> rude. <laughs> is it our ghost? I don't know. But I responded and I was like, I just love that there's a female spirit telling you to to wake up and like listen and, and be an active listener. That is funny too. And I was like, but I also feel bad because I I feel like in, in the very beginning of the podcast, we sometimes refer to our ghost with he pronouns. That's true. We don't know. With male pronouns. And it very well could be a lady. It could be. It could be. It could be anything and anyone. We don't know. We don't. It could have no gender. It could. Yep. Exactly. But I liked the idea of, of a woman's voice being like, you're being rude. Wow. I love that. I love. I like to think also that because I think we gave a gender to our ghost because someone wrote us a letter saying our ghost's name was Sven. Oh, that's right. But now I like to think that if we did have one ghost to begin with, that Sven has collected all of his other ghost friends. And he's like, you know, I can't always do this by myself. So like someone else it's jumped in. It's the pyramid in. scheme. Yeah, it's a pyramid scheme. Even Sven is doing it. It's literally the pyramid scheme. It goes beyond the living here. <laughs> this pyramid scheme is all inclusive. We do not discriminate. Oh my gosh. Against living all the dead. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, I love all our ghosts. Okay. I have a story from Lauren, and it's called Freaky Tarot Card Session. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've previously sent you a few of my ghost stories, but this is something different that I just had to share with you both. With you both. With you both. On a boat. Love to go on a boat. <laughs> Please. I recently had a rather freaky experience with tarot cards that caused me to do this video attached. This is that story. Names have been changed for privacy. It was mid-spooky season when my friend Sarah and her new boyfriend Max, who is also a friend of mine, both came over for dinner, which we often do on my nights off. I'm a chef and get two nights off a week. Okay, Lauren, do you want to be my friend? I will hang out with you on your days off. <laughs> a few months earlier, Sarah had come over for a sleepover and she had brought her new tarot deck. Sarah is one of the most skeptic people I know and the fact that she even had them surprised me. She asked me if I wanted to do a reading with her, and I was a little nervous since I had been raised Christian and had been told that everything witchcraft and Ouija boards are bad news. Tarot seemed to fall under that category. However, something came over me. At the time, I thought it was curiosity, but now I'm thinking it might have been something else. We took it in turns doing different spreads and readings for each other. I even forced my boyfriend to have a reading done. It was heaps of fun, so afterwards, I decided to buy myself my own deck. For the couple of months in between, I had been doing readings for myself and not taking it all too seriously. Now, back to dinner. The whole night, we had been talking about astrology stuff, which, again, for that friend, was quite unusual. We had finished eating, and my friend asked to see the new tarot deck that I had bought, so I brought it out, and we started to look at the deck and naturally moved on to doing readings. 
The first one I did on Max wasn't very accurate. However, the second one I did for Sarah caused a reaction I'll never forget. As I flicked through the little book that came with the deck to tell you what the cards meant and read out the meanings, Sarah became very uncomfortable. As I talked through the meanings and how they could relate to real life, she freaked out more and more. She admitted that she was going through something money-related, which is what the cards had revealed to us. She refused to tell us any more, and she almost got up and left my house midway through the reading. She put her jacket on and was nervously standing by the door until we said we'd stop pushing and just finish the reading with no questions and move on. You can imagine the looks Max and I were exchanging. We were very obviously worried. After we moved on from Sarah's reading, I did another one for Max. Partway through, just like Sarah's reading, Max proceeded to start crying. I had never seen Max cry before, and I felt terrible. Max was going through family problems, and the tarot reading brought it all to his attention and made him cry. He was much more open to talking about it than Sarah was, and after we finished his reading, they pretty much left. It was maybe five minutes, and then they were gone. And I don't blame them. It was late, and we were all freaked out and uncomfortable. Fast forward a little bit to just last week, I was watching a video on YouTube about psychic abilities when I realized that it's very likely that I'm clairsentient, which is when you can feel the energy and emotions of a room, object, person, or animal, and maybe even on top of that, an empath, which is when you can feel the emotions as if you were feeling them yourself, and all you want to do is make people feel better and good. Another trait is that they are naturally very good at tarot readings, which apparently I am. Thank you so much for reading my story. See you on the other side, Lauren. My goodness. Walked in and walked out with all these powers. Talented. So talented. And it's so interesting that Sarah, her friend, who is usually more skeptical or, you know, opposed to the paranormal, is the one who introduced her to tarot cards in the first place, Mm. which is kind of like a weird coincidence, you know, just given the, the situation. But now, without that, Lauren wouldn't have known that she has this gift. I know. And it's one of those things where I'm like, is this just, is this some kind of coincidental thing? Is it serendipitous? Was there some sort of intervention to awaken her her powers, her abilities? Awaken her powers. It's, yeah, it just reminds me of American Horror Story, Heaven, where it's like there's always one that rises to the top, Mm -hmm. the Supreme, who takes over. The Supreme. It is fascinating. I hope, I also hope that Sarah's okay because I know. that's so tough. I know. I also, I, we should get a reading done soon on the podcast. I think we should. That could be a, that could be a thing that we record too. Look at you, just marketing person today. Oh my God. Actually, I had, <laughs> this is so, no one cares, but I was at, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. You don't know. No, I know for a fact. I, I've been going to Orange Theory a bunch and this morning, I, I maybe I've just been in a marketing mood today because this morning I was like, there's so many things that they could be doing to market their store better. And I was just like going off on a tangent to my sister and I'm pretty sure she like wasn't listening. She's like, uh-huh. uh-huh. But it's uh-huh. a mood. It's Something's happening. Maybe I'm unlocking, unlocking my marketing powers. Unlocking. Unlocking. That can be the name of your business. Available for uh, 1099 contractor app. I already have enough businesses. I don't need another <laughs> one. True. Okay. All right. I have another super quick one. I have another really short one, but I I picked this one because it made me feel less alone in one of my experiences. (laughs) This is entirely selfish, uh, self-centered, self-serving. This is from Haley. Hi, I'm listening to Encounters 107, and I just wanted to write in to say that I have recurring spider dreams of the same nature. (gasps) 
probably once every month or so, I will quote unquote wake up and see spiders hanging over me or crawling around me and I'll get out of bed quickly, turn the lights on and there won't be anything there. I don't know what it is, but this is the first time I've heard of anyone else experiencing it too. I used to have the shadow man dreams at a couple of my old apartments. I also didn't know shadow man was a thing until hearing about it on your podcast. So interesting that other people experience the same weird mind tricks, slash nightmares, slash terrors. Haley. Okay. I hate that you have both now experienced this, but I'm... I know, because now it can't just be like a fluke, weird... Right. Okay, but now after reading M's mm-hmm. story, the very first story we read on this episode about the fireflies, I'm so curious, like, okay... We were trying to theorize about like these entities, like the dark entities that like, you know, are attracted to spaces where something tragic has happened. What if like a shadow person in these types of dark entities can't always come every single time? So they have these tactics that help instill fear while they're gone. And it is spiders or bugs or fireflies and other creepy, unsettling things that crawl around in the night if they yeah. can't be them, there themselves. Now you're making me think also to the first the first story about just being potentially cursed by someone else. And it makes me wonder if if a curse is put on you or if someone is like very intently putting ill will out into the universe, does the first is the first sign of something attaching itself to you presented as one of your biggest fears. Oh, you know, like if you're suddenly dreaming, if your biggest fear is like dying in a car accident. Right. And then you witness it or you have such a realistic dream that like your whole body is like, no, this had to have happened. This is so real. If that's your first inkling of something, of something bad. I don't like it. No. Well, it sounds like Haley and I are still okay. So that's good. That's true. It does remind me of, um, oh, what book is it? Uh, maybe it's 1984 or Brave New World or something like that. But like when you disobey, they put you in a room with your greatest fear. Do you remember that? Are you thinking of Hunger Games when the clock goes into the section where no. they do it in Hunger Games? Hunger Games does it too. But um, I also have like a memory of some episode almost like probably wrong. But for some reason, my brain is saying that old show touched by an angel did something like this too, which I don't think they did. That seems very off for them. But my brain remembers it as being them. Interesting. I don't know. Well, it's been done before, which makes me think it's done because people have experienced it in the same ways that you guys mm-hmm. have, which means that the, this is a tactic they've been using for a very long time. Yeah. And we literally make TV shows called Fear Factor. True. So that we can actively participate in this. But yeah, gross. Don't like it. But also, I'm happy to be in company with Haley so that I don't feel as... Uh, confused about what I experienced. Not that that gave too much clarity. I'm just not alone anymore. It's always nice to not be alone. Okay. I have a story from Hannah and it's called, so I was attacked by a ghost. Hey, Sabrina and Corinne. My name's Hannah. I love your podcast. I've always loved hearing about other people who love the paranormal too. I have a few ghost stories, but this one is probably the scariest and most physical one. I like to think I'm one of those people who's more connected to the spirit world, but that might also just be my paranoia. I've only told roughly four people this story. I had a bad experience when I told the story to a friend who side-eyed me and clearly didn't believe it, and that kind of made me nervous to tell it anymore. Anyway, on to the story. I was in about fifth grade when this happened. 
I'm the oldest in my family, and growing up, I often had to get up early in the morning to make my own lunch and get myself ready for school while my parents helped get my siblings ready for school. I was downstairs in the kitchen making my lunch, completely alone in the silence of the morning. My parents and siblings were upstairs, and I didn't watch TV or listen to music while I was making my lunch. In fifth grade, for some unknown reason, I liked to wear my hair in a ponytail a lot, like almost every day. So I had my hair up in its classic ponytail, and as I was putting some snacks in my lunch bag, I felt a hard tug on my ponytail, hard enough to make my head jerk back. It was as if someone came up behind me and yanked on my ponytail twice and disappeared. The only problem, I was completely alone with my back to the very closed and very locked sliding back door. No one would have been able to sneak up behind me without me hearing them open the door. I stood completely frozen, barely breathing, and shaking for several minutes. I didn't know how to process what had happened. I was alone, and there had been nothing my hair could have gotten caught in. A ghost straight up pulled my hair. I don't know how long I stood there completely frozen, too scared to move, but eventually I moved on and finished packing up my lunch and went to school. I told no one. I still didn't know how to process it, and I was 10 years old and terrified. When I got home from school, I asked my mom if she was downstairs before me that morning. Maybe I was too distracted by the food to notice her coming up behind me and tugging me on my hair, but she said no. I didn't tell anyone until four years later, and I've only told a few friends, my sister who proofread this email, and my old memoir writing professor. Whenever I think about it, I can feel the tug on my hair and all the fear and nerves come back. I believed in ghosts when it happened, but I had never had an experience before then. I still live in that same house that it happened in, but luckily nothing like that or even close to that has happened to me since. My brother and his friends used to joke in passing that our house was haunted, but I don't know how that joke started. Love the podcast and stay spooky, Hannah. Clearly the friends were on to something. They were picking up vibes because the house is haunted. Well, someone's given a little yank. Now I'm curious if Hannah's brother had any experiences because that joke probably started from something real. Yeah, true. And here's here's a, a theory for you, Sabrina, that you might like. What if... I'm just picturing a cat seeing a ponytail being like, yes, fun. Let me swat at it. And its little paws getting caught. So it's kind of like a little yank yank. I would totally be on board with that if there was a counter behind her. But she said it was a sliding glass door behind her. And I don't know a cat that that's big. That's that (laughs) big. Unless it's like a tiger. Playful lion or tiger. Mm, True. But... True. It is interesting. Like it came at the exact time that she was putting snacks in the bag. So maybe the ghost was jealous of the snack or maybe Hannah wasn't supposed to take that snack and was sneaking it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yes. Or maybe just like a little tug tug being like, hey, don't put that. Don't leave that one out for me. Yeah. <laughs> What's the favorite? Yeah. What's Was it Dunkaroos? Was it some like a- Oh my God. Don't get me started on Dunkaroos. <gasps> They're coming back. I've seen. I saw. I follow this local Massachusetts girl who's famous on TikTok as a makeup artist, Michaela. And Dunkaroo sent her an entire pack <gasps> and all of the swag. And then also ugh, one of my favorite snacks is I'm going to butcher it. The Hawaiian. What are those Hawaiian chips? Is it just called Hawaiian? Ho- it's a brand. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those are so good. I would tug, tug at someone's hair if Someone was trying to put this away and not offer them to me. <laughs> not give them to you, not share them. That's how I felt with Cheez-Its and Rice Krispie Treats. 
Because mm, oh. I wasn't allowed to have Rice Krispie treats in my home because they had marshmallows because marshmallows gelatin. have gelatin. So mm. whenever I stayed at my one friend's house, she had Rice Krispies. I'd eat an entire box. The entire box. <laughs> we would not sleep the whole night and I would eat like every hour on the hour of Rice Krispie. Vegetarian until you go to your <laughs> friend's house. <laughs> it was like, you can't not let me have marshmallows. And then my sister I and I would, when we'd go to the grocery store with my mom, I think I've told this before, but we'd go to the grocery store with my mom and she'd be like, go grab milk and cheese. And we'd be like, okay. And my sister would run for the marshmallows and we'd go quickly pay and like stuff them. We'd bring like a big purse that like no 10 year old child should ever have and stuff the marshmallows in there after we paid for them. And then we'd get home from grocery shopping and run up to my sister's room and put them in the drawer where we stored them. <laughs> but we'd like eat a few. And then when my mom wasn't home, we'd go run downstairs and like roast it over the fire on the oven. Oh my God. Honestly, this is, this is so innocent. And it's also out of all the snacks and all out of all the things you could have taken from the grocery store like marshmallows seems so and like we would save up our money so that we could secretly buy marshmallows eat marshmallows oh <laughs> i know that's so cute oh i really liked gushers and dill pickle flavored chips and stuff like that there's just so many good things back then things that now if i put into my body my body would be like isn't that so sad not feel good so sad like why why are you doing but this? it tastes so good He's so good. And that's what we're here for. But we're also here for this email, this encounter from our listener, KS. Hey, ladies. I hope the day finds you both well. I have the craziest glitch in the Matrix story to share. I don't want this to go on and on, so I'm just going to try to stick to the facts. Back in 2002, I just moved to Boston from my hometown. I was recently married and getting to know my new neighborhood. On one of the trips out, I was cutting through New England Medical Center and spotted a girl who looked familiar to me. As it turned out, she was from my hometown, and I was so excited to see a familiar face. So we started to hang out together, and she and my husband got along really well, and soon enough, I found out that she was working as a sex worker. I lived in downtown proper, and that is where she and other girls had worked. She would be out there no matter what the weather, and the man who she worked with would often hang out in my house. So I started going out with her and would take down license plate numbers and insisted that she come back to my place to keep her safe. After a while, she moved on to a different man and my husband and I moved and we lost touch. So a few years went by and I had moved to a city south of Boston after my husband passed away. I missed my friend terribly, but had no way of reaching her. So New Year's Day in 2013, I think, I was watching the news when I heard her name on TV. I looked up and I saw her sister and her mom on the TV. She had been murdered and left in a trash can. Oh my God. But I didn't recall seeing much more about it on the news. Then, flash forward years later, the new man that I'm with also passes away. Oh gosh. I bounced around to find my new normal and finally landed in this place where I am today, which has a spirit living in the closet, but that's for another time. And I got curious about my old friend's case. If anyone had been arrested for it, if there were any leads, that type of thing. So I googled her name and nothing showed up. Confused, I reached out to the Boston Police Department to see if they may have some info. I emailed their PR lady and gave her everything that I knew. Days later, I got a reply. They didn't have her name anywhere about the murder. Now, I know what I saw on TV. I had then, at the time, told the man that I was with, my daughter, and my best friend, and they all remember me telling them the story of what I saw on the news. But it didn't exist. 
And just to be more freaky, as if it weren't already, my daughter sent me a Facebook page of hers that had not been used very often, but showed that she was on the beach in Florida, alive. I was stunned. I didn't believe that it was her, so I sent her a private message, and it was in 2017, and to this day, I still haven't gotten a reply, which makes me wonder, did it really happen? Is this Facebook account a joke? Because I'm pretty sure if she got my message, she would have replied. I've done everything that I could think of to find out once and for all if she truly is alive, but according to the BPD, there is no one with her name who's ever been murdered in the city of Boston, and it's a very unusual and unique last name. It's not like her name is Jane Brown. So I'm pretty sure what happened to me was just a glitch in the matrix. I'm floored, I'm confused, and I'm stunned to this day. And I'd be very interested to hear what you ladies think. Love the podcast. Look forward to hearing it every week. But I have to say, I've never heard anything quite like this story before. Thanks for all you do. And thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Your homie from Boston, KS. KS, I'm so sorry for all the losses you experienced. That's heartbreaking. I am curious if you've looked outside of just Boston police. Right. Because it may have happened in like greater Massachusetts and they don't have record of it, but... And it was just on the news, right? But then you would also be able to Google it and find something. And especially if it was a unique name and just putting Massachusetts next to it, you'd be able, it would come up. That's so weird. Maybe, I don't know. It's so weird because like all the things that I'm like, well, maybe this, maybe this, it has like a, so what I was thinking is maybe when she heard her friend's name on the news, when it wasn't, she like misheard it, but then she said she looked up and saw her friend's mother and sister. And so it's like. Your brain doesn't autocorrect that many things. No, that's a very distinct memory. And it'd be another thing to be like, oh, well, maybe she just dreamt it and then was like never told anyone. Yeah. And just this me- this dream turned into a memory over time. But at the time that she'd seen it, looked up, saw her friend's mother and sister. She then told her yeah. daughter, her boyfriend at the time, her best friend. Like it was a topic of conversation that her old friend was brutally murdered and the murderer was on the loose. I'm very confused. And yeah, I mean, okay. Also, okay. I'm hoping that your friend is alive for thousands of reasons and that maybe she just really doesn't use her Facebook. So that's why she hasn't responded or it's an old account mm-hmm. that's like, you know, deactivated now. But I am curious if it sounds like her daughter's good at the internet based on how quickly she found the Facebook profile. Like if there's any other way to find out where she is now and contact her in a different way. Right. And like, is there Instagram? I feel like I don't know. This feels like a like a a podcast topic. You know, yes. like I feel like a podcast could go viral about finding the truth about your friend KS. Yeah, like literally think about um Up and Vanished. Yeah. That was the the start of the podcast was this local guy yeah. in the Atlanta area wanting to look into this unsolved case yeah. from 10 years ago and now look at him. He's a household podcast name and has like seven podcasts. I also wonder if KS, you could, do you remember what news channel it was on and like what time of year? And if you could try to like contact them and say, there's a story you guys did about this woman and I'm trying yes. to find it because they have records of all of that. And even like the, yeah, like the, the Boston Globe. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. But it also could be a glitch because if you think back to glitches in the Matrix, like Nelson Mandela, um, just so, so many. many different things that's around surrounding death where people are like, Wait, no, that person already died. Wow. I remember the news. I remember seeing this. I remember reading the this. And I remember where I was when I first heard yeah, it. Yeah, so shocking. And then that person being very much alive. It's so weird. It is. I was reading something or not. And I wasn't reading. I 
Maybe I was. I don't know. Somewhere on the internet. I don't read. I came across. Uh, it, w- it was probably, honestly, the comment section of TikTok. <laughs> this is my, my uh, reading nowadays. But it was something about how someone had met. They were astral projecting, astral traveling, and they met this young boy who was in the astral realm, Whoa. astral plane. And that young boy had told them that he, like, understood that he he was kind of like a natural at doing that. And he understood kind of timelines and said that people consistently uh, accidentally jump into different versions of their own universe. And there are sometimes large things that are different and sometimes really small little things like this is out of place, that's out of place. But it's because there's this continual kind of like unintentional jump. Whoa. And so this could be one of those things where maybe it was a glitch in the matrix or maybe KS is currently in a different version than she was when she saw the news. My mind is getting blown. Whoa. We don't really understand much of anything. We don't understand anything ever. And then when we think we do, things change. Okay. That's one of my favorite things about science is like people are trying. Part of science is that you continually like try to disprove theories yeah and sometimes what's thought of to be true for years and years and years and years turns out to be different and you're like oh shit (laughs) oh my gosh okay this is from emma and it's called ghost in china hey girls i don't have the most exciting ghost stories but i love the podcast and wanted to get involved also i've never told anyone about this experience so maybe i just wanted to get it off my chest when i was 17 i went to china with my older sister She was working on her doctorate in Asian art history, and I had been studying Mandarin, so I went with her. We started in Beijing and worked our way down to Hong Kong, visiting every museum. I had to wait outside a lot because I didn't want to see any human skeletons or mummies because I'm scared of taxidermy, and mummies are basically taxidermied people, and they appear in so many museums. I was doing okay, though, until Shanghai. Sleeping one morning, I woke up to see an elderly Chinese lady standing over my bed. She was standing between my sister and my bed at the foot of them, reaching out, and she glowed an eerie green, like straight-up Ghostbuster glowing slime green. She had her hand outstretched toward me, but she seemed to be frozen. I was frozen, too. I think it was sleep paralysis. I eventually managed a yelp, which woke up my sister, and the lady disappeared. I didn't tell my sister because our family was very religious and I didn't want to deal with whatever my mom's spiritual remedy would be if it got around. I haven't seen anything like that since and I'm so glad, although once I had a friend convince me to play with a homemade Ouija board on Easter and it only spelt nonsense and my friend was experienced enough to say we have someone who wants to mess with us and promptly closed out the session. I haven't played since and I still get the creeps. Anyway, thanks for a great podcast that gets me through a very boring work day. And thanks for reading, Emma. Now that Emma's talking about how mummies are basically just, <laughs> it's making me realize that we lit, that's the only version of a dead body where that like people just outwardly are like, yes, sure, come look at this, pay me money and I will show you. And yeah. we all just take that as okay. And yet in other cultures and other traditions, people are able to like display their dead, put them into certain rituals and and have ceremonies surrounding them. But here in America where you and I live, it is not okay to look at a dead body. That's not unless true. Unless it is labeled a mummy. That's not true. At like funerals, there are a lot of open caskets. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm also thinking of the I guess you, it's strangers. You're not allowed to go look at strangers' yeah. dead bodies. No, that would be frowned upon. There's also 
um, what's it called? The Body Museum. Have, have you ever been to that? No, but that's in LA. We need to go. Right? I went to one in New York. They're probably, they probably have them. Oh, I'm thinking of the Museum of Death, which is in oh, LA. I want to go to that so bad. See, we, we're dark and messed up. We do a lot of weird things. <laughs> Why won't they let me see strangers to bodies? Someone tell me. <laughs> Concerned. Venmo me $5 so that I can start my own dead body museum. That's all it takes. That's even more concerning. <laughs> it's just Corinne with a shovel. This is dark, but <laughs> $5 to buy one I shovel. I thinking like if everyone gives me $5, oh. but I realized it sounded like all I needed is $5. I mean, I think shovels are cheaper than five dollars. Maybe not. Ay, ay, ay. Oh man. All right, but back to the back to <laughs> back to Emma's experiences. Uh, I'm glad to her last point where she did the Ouija board with her friend. I'm very glad her friend was well versed enough to know, like, hey, something's off. Let's yeah. just close out the board before anything bad happens. Because this email, if that hadn't happened, this email could be so much longer and scarier. Mm-hmm. I also. It's interesting because Emma was so afraid of seeing mummies that she avoided them in the museums. But you can't avoid ghosts. And to wake up in the middle of the night with a glowing slime green woman reaching her hand out and reaching for you is one, terrifying. And two, very concerning because the way I'm imagining it is this woman like, almost reaching out through another time or portal, which is why she's mm. slime green, reaching for help. Help. Oh, like she's in the upside down. Oh my gosh, almost. Yes. Or even another Stranger Things reference, but you know that the last season where it's like this big glob Ooh. thing and everybody dies and the, their, their globby bodies yeah. join the master glob. I'm just picturing like if you were stuck in that glob and you're trying to reach Ugh. out of it. So gross. So gross. So unsettling. And that yeah. Nickelodeon should bring back all of the slime and do a do a Halloween special with this. We'll write in mind. it. We'll write it. Nickelodeon us five dollars each. Five dollars each. Wow, we can afford one subway sandwich. One body. Oh my gosh. I am curious if Emma it helped sharing this story because that's so tough to not be able to share any share it with anyone. And I also wonder, did you have to spend another night in that? place did you have to stay awake all night and be afraid of seeing that again so so many more questions so many questions (laughs) please follow up yeah (laughs) okay i have one for us to end on this is from jenna and it's called frat house ghost hey ladies i was at the boston live show and i met you afterwards and i relayed this story to you and you asked me to write it so here it is yay now we we get a good refresher i was at a super bowl party a few years ago when i was in college at a friend's fraternity The night was going smoothly and I had to run upstairs to use the bathroom since the one upstairs is a bit nicer. Well, nice for a frat house standards. When I was walking out, I looked down the hallway into one of the bedrooms and I saw this dark figure in the room. I thought nothing of it as I assumed it was just one of the guys who came up to his room to grab something. And so I continued down the hall towards it. And then I felt like something was staring at me. I looked up and I realized that this was not a fraternity (laughs) member. All I could make out was the head and shoulders but this thing was staring at me and I have the flight and I ran down the stairs to return to the party. I went up to my friend who lived there and I asked him if anyone had gone upstairs. He replied no, but said that he thinks I might have seen their resident <gasps> ghost. Oh, The house used to be a funeral home before the fraternity bought it back in the 1950s slash 60s. The guys believe that the spirit of the old owner, who's not happy that the frat bros <laughs> took over the house, 
is there and will make himself known when he's not excited about their activities. They say that he'll pop up from time to time, but only in front of one or two people. I haven't been back there in a while since I graduated, but I still have friends who live there and say spooky stuff still happens from time to time. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Jenna. That is, that haunting makes the most sense. I get it. If, if like the house that you loved all of a sudden when you pass away becomes a frat house where like no one's taking care of it. I, I get it. I'd haunt the place. Yes. And also here's what I propose. Everyone who sees the spirit is, this is initiation into its own (laughs) secret society. Another fraternity spinoff. Within the fraternity. Within the fraternity that's and anyone who's a guest at the house. Oh, fine. And it's just all people who this person has felt comfortable enough or angry enough <laughs> to show itself to. Wow. And then they just do little uh, offerings to him and maybe appease him. Mm, and then he gets. That's a good idea. Feels more loved. I feel like that frat should just like create their own ritual tradition for him, for this ghost to make him happy. Try to like find a way to like appease him. Yeah, or I don't know, like maybe make sure that there's always fresh flowers around, like a funeral home. Do a few things to make him feel at home. Yeah. And like he's where he used to be. Because I'm sure everything is pretty much looking different. I believe it. And also, we were in college. It doesn't matter if you're a fraternity, sorority, or just a college student living in a house. There, a lot of people don't take care of the spaces that they yeah. live in. So I'm sure this this person who put so much time and effort and money to run this business and most likely live in the home himself uh, is watching it get destroyed. Yeah, it's tough. Sad. But this did make me miss live shows. I know. I miss them. I, I have um, a love-hate relationship. I know you do. Where I miss them and I want to do them again. But I get so much anxiety and I end up I know. shoving you onto stage before me. I like grab your your shirt and i'm like go now wait no not yet okay now go okay now and i'm like push. well there was a lot of also like is it time do we go now like do we wait what what part do we go in there was a lot of confusion yeah i get nervous until we can do them again we'll just keep reading your stories so please send them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and also be like the spirits and join the pyramid scheme if the dead can do it so can you tell other people about it Subscribe, please, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen, and rate and review. Yeah. We have Facebook, Instagram. Did you say that all? No. Oh, we, well, we do. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have a Twitter. Our ghost has a Instagram that one of you lovely listeners created. Yeah. And- so funny. I literally screenshot it, sent it to Sabrina. I was like, is this you? <laughs> She's like, no. <gasps> Amazing. The it's the ghost. Um. We have Patreon. And thank you to Brooke and Eric Foster at Upfire Digital and your whole team. Thank you for editing our podcast. See you on the other side.